It's a great day to live for Jesus. This is the In the Word podcast with Pastor Mike Grover, a chapter-by-chapter devotional journey through the New Testament where we will browse the background, discover the doctrine, and practice the principles of God's Word for us today. I had this incredible experience shortly before I married my wife, Cheryl. We were moving up toward the wedding day, and we were going to be married in Florida, and her mom and dad lived in Oklahoma, but they were always traveling because her dad was in evangelism. So I thought, hey, since we're getting married in Florida, why don't you guys just stay at my house as we get ready and prepare for the wedding? Now, that had all kinds of interesting implications, your in-laws-to-be staying at your house before your wedding, but that's, that's regardless, not important here. I get up in the middle of the night one night and I feel like it's kind of warm in the house and I want the air to get a little bit lower. So I wake up, I stand up, I walk out of my bedroom and I get to walk around the corner where the thermostat is located. And as I do, I saw what looked like some kind of angelic manifestation in my living room that startled me and nearly gave me a heart attack. My mother-in-law had gotten up very early in the morning and had a long flowing white nightgown on and she was kneeling down at my couch with her hair out long and white and a strand of white Christmas lights wrapped around her neck and around her Bible and prayer list so that she could have light without turning on the larger light in the house. Man, what a moment for me walking around and seeing this glowing angelic being in my living room while I am half asleep. Now, needless to say, I immediately realize it's my mother-in-law. She's up. She's praying. She's got her Bible open. But once I settled down, once my heart went back to rest and I laid in bed, I thought, man, what a wonderful example of a Christian's commitment to praying, to rising up early and praying. In Acts chapter 10 this morning, we see a great move of God that takes place for the gospel that is connected and associated with prayer. And I'll begin reading in Acts chapter 10 in verse 1. It says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. So an Italian soldier over a hundred other soldiers. It says he was a devout man. He was one that feared God with all of his house. And he gave much alms to the people. And he prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying to him, Cornelius... And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He will tell you what you ought to do. And when the angel that spoke to Cornelius departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. On the next day, as they went on their journey and drew near to the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. So in Acts chapter 10, you have this huge movement of the gospel 
um, toward the Gentiles. The door of faith in this chapter is opened outside of Judaism, outside of Samaria, to an Italian, to a pure Gentile. Well, this is kind of what the Bible said in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Kind of the outline of the book of Acts, Jesus said, you'll be witness to me. And he said, both in Jerusalem, then Judea and Samaria. And then he said, to the uttermost part of the earth. So on the day of Pentecost, you had the first stage of that verse open, witnesses at Jerusalem. Acts chapter 8, you move into Samaria, outside of Judea into Samaria. And then here in Acts 10, it's to the Gentiles or the uttermost part, being witnesses to me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost part of the earth. So it's this great gospel movement going from Jerusalem into all the world, but it happened in prayer. So Jesus announced this movement in Acts chapter 1-8. It was a critical movement to the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ getting into all the earth. But man, this movement literally and its fulfilling into this next level happened in prayer. So in this story, in Acts chapter 10, Peter is evangelizing, and Peter travels to the seaside town of Joppa. And he goes to the house of a guy named Simon, who is a tanner. And and in this story, in Acts 9, you see Peter coming to the house. It's noontime, middle of the day. He's hungry. He goes up on the roof to pray. You say, well, that's weird. Wouldn't he fall off the slanted roof? No, the style of home would have been much like the Cuban homes I stayed in last week. Flat concrete or flat roofs that you could go up on. Not concrete then. but it, And it kind of would have a place to pray and to be up there. So Peter's going up there to pray. Well, earlier in the chapter, if you notice, Cornelius was also praying. And the angel appears to him in this prayer and says, hey, your prayers are heard, your alms, your charity is recognized before God. And so in this chapter, you got two prayer times taking place. You have Cornelius's prayer in verses two through four. And it says there that it happened at the ninth hour of the day. So that's about three o'clock in the afternoon. And then in verse nine, you have Peter's time of prayer, which it says is about the sixth hour of the day or at noontime. Peter in this prayer falls into this trance and there's this vision he has. This great sheet is let down with all of these animals that were unclean for a Orthodox Jew to eat. And God says to Peter, arise and eat. And Peter says, not so, Lord, I've never eaten stuff like this. It's unclean. God said to him, what I have called unclean, don't call unclean. Well, what was this picture of? It was a picture of a Jew who would not naturally go to the Gentiles with God's word because they would be outside of the covenant of promise, outside of Judaism. But God says, no, I want the gospel to go to every creature. I want it to go in all the world. Don't call someone unclean that I have called clean. Now, there's all kinds of implications here for race and prejudice and all of those things. But that's not the point we're talking about right now. You see, it was in the time of prayer that God initiated um, perhaps the greatest move of the gospel since the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. But what was the correct time of prayer? Well, Cornelius, the correct time of prayer here was three o'clock in the afternoon. For Peter here, the correct time of prayer was 12 o'clock noon. So I guess the question I wanted to think about this morning, does it really matter when we pray? Um, Psalm 55, seven says evening and morning and at noon will I pray. Psalmist thought, man, just I'm going to pray in the morning. I'm going to pray in the evening. I'm going to pray at lunchtime. It's kind of like Daniel. In Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10, it says, uh, after he was commanded not to pray, it says, 
he prayed just like he always did. And it said he prayed three times a day. And so three times a day, Psalm uh, 55, three times a day, Daniel 6. Um, Mark 1 talks about Jesus. It says in the morning, a great while before day or before daylight, Jesus rose up to pray, kind of like my mother-in-law there. They didn't even wait for the breaking of the day to pray. Um, Mark 26, uh, excuse me, Matthew 26, Mark 14, and in Luke 22, you have the account of Jesus praying um, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Well, when did that prayer take place? That took place in the evening. So you have morning prayer. You have evening prayer. You have three times a day prayer. And in Acts chapter 6 and verse 4, when the first deacons were chosen, the apostles said, uh, we will give ourselves, and then they said, continually to prayer. So is there a right time to pray? Is there a wrong time to pray? Well, here in Acts 10, the greatest move of the gospel since the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, uh, God did not seem to be a respecter of prayer time. Cornelius prayed at three. Peter was praying at noon. You see, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says what? Pray without ceasing. It's always the right time to pray, and there is no wrong time to pray. Years ago, Stephen Curtis Chapman wrote a song called Let Us Pray, and I love the words of it. It said, let us pray, let us pray, every, everywhere in every way, every moment of the day, it is the right time. Because the Father above is looking down in love, and he wants to answer us, so let us pray. Now, I love that song. Let us pray, let us pray, everywhere in every way, every moment of the day, it is the right time. For the Father above is looking down in love, and he wants to answer us, so let us pray. Man, it was a real upbeat, fun song, but it had a great message in, man, let's pray. Let's be about praying. Pray without ceasing. Man, when you get up in the morning, if you're brain dead till 11 o'clock in the morning, probably morning prayer is not going to be best for you. Maybe you're an evening kind of night owl praying kind of person. Man, maybe you just love getting away at lunchtime. When I was in the military, especially as a new Christian, man, I'd get my lunch hour and I'd love to just get away by myself and use that time to pray. Man, let us pray. So really, the application of this passage for us today is, you know, we can study all the intricacies of prayer, and that's okay. And we can study about posture of prayer and the place of prayer and the time of prayer and the manner of prayer and the words in prayer, etc. And all that's good. It's all part of Scripture. But what it really comes down to is this, is are we personally praying? Are we being part of God's movement in this earth in prayer. A.B. Simpson was a wonderful Christian man who founded the uh, Christian Missionary Alliance. And he was a man of great prayer and, and a man of great missions, world global movement. And he wrote a book on prayer. I have a copy of it, an old paperback. And I remember in one of the chapters in the book, he made a statement kind of like this. He said, all of us may never be able to physically go to the mission field, but all of us can go every single day to the furthest places of the earth in prayer. Hey, you know what? I just got back from Cuba. I was able to be down there, boots on the ground, praying, ministering. You know, the reality is you may never be able to step foot in Cuba. There may be physical limitations, financial limitations. I don't know the limitations. But you know what? There's no boundary to you being in Cuba today in prayer. Man, in the darkest and deepest reaches of Asia and Africa, you can be there in prayer. 
man, to the secularism of Europe. You can be there in prayer. Man, the streets of Tampa and neighborhoods that maybe you have never been a part of, but you know what? You can be there in prayer. So let's pray every morning, every day, every moment, every time. Man, we just need to pray. So the word for today is simply this. Just pray. Everywhere, every way, pray. There's no wrong time to pray to God and bring others before His throne. Thank you for listening today to In the Word. Join us every Tuesday and Friday for new episodes as we continue our devotional journey through the New Testament.